Welcome to the All Nations Church of Luxembourg podcast. and a warm welcome to this worship service. It's great that you are here today and that we have the opportunity to raise our voices together this morning. We want to invite you as a worship team to stand up and to sing with us. And we're going to sing a version of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. 
may be seated. And grace and peace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to worship at All Nations Church. Uh, I woke up this morning and it was actually not dark outside, which felt good. The days are getting longer. Uh, we're reminded even as we are here in the, the shadow of the cross, we look forward to new life that is yet to come. Uh, light is coming to the world. Uh, if you are new here, especially, we welcome you. We would invite you, if you'd like, to stop at the, the table in the back. Uh, you can share your information with us. You can sign up for the weekly update. We would love to connect with you and tell you what's happening here in the life of our church. And we uh, want people to get involved in every way. There's many ways to get involved here to, uh, to serve and also to join a small group. Uh, small groups are really the, the heart of our church in so many ways. And, and this season that's coming and actually beginning this week, we are inviting everyone, whoever you are, uh, however long you've been here, to engage with small groups in one of uh, really four ways. 
First of all, if you are part of a small group, we are especially encouraging you to attend during this season in the same way that we are especially focused on Jesus's sacrifice, his death, his, his giving of himself. We are asking all of us to especially try to give of ourselves in this season for the sake of others in our group to be there and the hopes that this, when we're all together, then we really feel like this is the group as we, we wish it to be. If you are not part of a small group, uh, this is a great season to, to join. And maybe you've been reluctant, uh, you don't want to make a long-term commitment that feels too much. I would encourage you for, the, for these six weeks uh, uh, leading up to Easter, find a small group to participate in and, just, and see how it goes. And then after that, you can decide if this is something that you want to be a part of. But for these six weeks, another way in uh, is I will be leading a, uh, a short-term small group for the six weeks uh, at the office in Clausen. That'll be on Tuesday night starting uh, in two days. Uh, this is uh, another way for you to enter in. There's already, uh, I think, seven people signed up. So it's a good group. You can sign up for that. That's another way that you can come together as a small group for the season and maybe decide, I like this. I want to be part of a small group going forward. And finally, we, uh, anyone and everyone is able to find the, the study that we're doing for this season, which is based on six passages which speak of the word deny, where we are told uh, to deny ourselves and also not to deny God. So even if you can't go to the group, you can follow along with that. That's available on the website and in the weekly update. So there's a way for everyone to engage. I hope you will. And if you have any questions, you can speak to me uh, or to Paul. Find your way in, please. Uh, last week, I announced uh, this All Together Choir Project, and I, I didn't actually know it was called All Together until recently, so it has a name because we just call it, kind of called it like the choir thing that Tracy does, but it's called All Together, and that really says what it is because this is something where all different kinds of people are invited together into a choir. It's really around people who have uh, MS, which in fact my mother does, uh, so this sort of resonates with me even more, it, but it's really for anyone uh, of any age, of any uh, physical ability to join together to sing, to uh, proclaim the gospel. You may remember that last summer and actually the year before as well we had the choir here leading us in worship. It's, it's a great thing to, to witness and to experience. It's, I expect, an even better thing to be a part of. So this is forming very soon. It's, it's already in process. If you're interested in being a part of this choir, whatever your singing ability, uh, please speak with Teresia or find the information about that in the weekly update. Uh, there is a place for everyone in this choir. Uh, join, we'll be all together. I'm going to invite up Paul uh, for a, an announcement. I want to uh, remind you, as Logan has said oftentimes, that we have a church and we have a mission. Uh, we are not just people that gather on Sunday and then scatter, but we are people that God has called together for a mission. And our mission is to be a community that reflects Jesus Christ, uh, that does that through worshiping God, caring for people, helping them to grow, and equipping them to have an impact in the world. And what that means is that we all have a part of that mission all the way, that we are to be actively a part of that. And we have some critical areas we want to let you know about, that um, especially if you're someone that has come to church, you're here, maybe you're newer, maybe you've been around for a while and you've really not found your way in. 
uh, you, you're kind of watching from the outside and not yet serving. We really believe that serving is a vital part of our growth, but also the health and growth of the church that we all need to be together in this. And so there's a couple of areas where either the job has gotten too big for one person, and so we, we need to add to that, or there's uh, some uh, people that have been doing this for quite a long time, and they need a break. And we want people to take a break. We don't want, uh, you know, serving to be a life sentence uh, in any one area, but you can actually take a break and pull away. Or also just we've been doing it ad hoc for a while and we actually need someone to step forward. So I have five areas. I know if you came to first service two, year, two weeks ago, you, you got this and you might think, oh, I already know this is fine. But I have two more new ones. So let's see if you can figure out what they are. So you can, you can count on your hand with me if you'd like the, the five to see if you can uh, help you know, to be aware of them. First is just people with good administrative and communication skills. Those need to go together. We have lots of things that just being able to coordinate really matters and to communicate to other people. So whether it's a serving team on Sunday, uh, whether it's people that put together the schedule for Sunday, uh, that is critical. Uh, and to be, you know, those of you who are administrative, you probably get frustrated with those that are not, like me, but it really matters that you find your place and you can help us in that. A lot of this can be done from home. So it doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to come to the office or someplace. You can take an hour, 45 minutes um, and do it. So it's not really difficult um, unless you're someone like me and then it's much more challenging. Um, there's opportunities to co-lead a team. For example, the setup and cleanup. Today, you came in, there was uh, lots of things that were set up so that you and I could sit someplace uh, so that we could be here and worship. And that is really critical uh, at our church, that uh, there's a lot that happens before and after. Innocent has been leading that team for, I don't know, several years, a long time. And uh, his co-leader uh, left a few years ago, Yarmo, and so it would really help to have someone come alongside and to do some of the things that, that Innocent uh, isn't as good at and to really be a team. So that's also really critical. Uh, flowers and decoration. Uh, we have a great, we have some great stage design and some really great things up here, but it can be better. And so if you kind of like, you have that eye, you know, you know who you are, right? You kind of go, that, that could be better. That could be more beautiful. Then please talk to Teresia because we'd like to see some growth in that area, uh, especially during special seasons like uh, Easter. Um, also, uh, Sylvie Marcus is going to be stepping away from the events team, leading that. Um, that's a critical team that does lots of, um, whether it's in the summer events, the celebration at the end of the year, whether it's welcome coffee or membership lunch, um, she leads that team. Uh, she's going to step down after our 20th anniversary, which is the first weekend in April, that we're going to celebrate that. Uh, so there's a lot for her to do. She's been looking for a way to pull back and uh, she has been faithful and so we we are looking for someone to come on and says you know what hospitality and organizing people for that that's my thing that's what I love and so we'd like to help you find a way and a place to do that. And the last is global outreach team. A few, I think two weeks ago, we had a, a great presentation from Pete, uh, the, the organizations that we, uh, we are involved with all over the world, coordinating that, communicating with them, but also communicating back to us what we're a part of. And I don't know if you know this, but you know why All Nations Church exists? Because someone sponsored us for several years. That's why we're here. So we want to be those who give back, who, who, who help to seed what God is doing in the rest of the world. So a lot of these don't require 10 people. It's one or two people to, to step forward. There's lots of other roles you can find on the website. But again, if you're someone who uh, is serving, we just want to say thank you for your serving and being a part because that makes the mission happen. But if you're someone who isn't right now and you can, 
then our ask would be that you would consider, Lord, which of these, or if any of these, would you want me to step forward and into? And if so, explore that with Logan and I. We'd be happy to help you with that. We think of serving as not only being a part of the mission, but also one of the ways we say thank you to God for everything that he has done for us. So, so I hope you'll take the opportunity, join in the mission, uh, because it's much more satisfying when you're a part of it than just watching and worshiping. Logan? In this season, we're beginning a series on Jesus's I am statements. Uh, and today we hear Jesus declare that I am the bread of life. And we are reminded that God is one who provides for our needs, who feeds us. In light of that, as we continue to worship, I invite you to stand and to hear these words from Psalm 146. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry.
now where we are going to receive the offering as a part of our worship this morning. The children are going to stay with us today. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me, still your hearts from your busy thoughts, and let us together yield to our Heavenly Father. Father, we thank you today for the many ways you lead, provide, and guide us, often without our even noticing. We have known the blessings that come with life from life with you. Silently in our hearts now, we tell you what those blessings are. We acknowledge that these things come from your hand, and we give you thanks. Today, Lord, we thank you for the many people that serve us each week, often unnoticed by us. We think of those who farm the land who provide food, those who transport that food to where we can purchase it, and those who work for the store where we buy it. We think of the doctors and the nurses and the pharmacists and the medical professions who care for our health when we're sick, those who develop life-saving medications and those who manufacture them. Father, we give you thanks for those who work in government and the national and commune level, for those who help us to recycle our waste, those who pick up our trash each week and clean our villages and fix our roads. Lord, we count on so many other people to do their jobs well, to live in a way that honors you and that is good for us and for themselves. We can easily take them and their work for granted, even though if we needed to do what they did, we would have no clue. We thank you for their skill. We thank you that they show up each day to do their part. Father, each person doing their work makes life good and livable. Help them to be diligent in their work. Help them to do a good job such that others are blessed. 
For those who are in the wrong role, we pray that you would help them find that right place, that they would find their part in the world. Father, we acknowledge, too, just those who work with kids. We think of teachers who care for our kids and teach them the important essential things of life. And for the parents who have the privilege and the challenge of raising children, helping them to love others and love you. Father, bless them. Give them the strength that they need, the courage and the wisdom to act. Father, we ask also that you would help us in our work, in our relationships. May we not just be those who do what we do for the company or for the boss or for a paycheck, but may at the forefront of our heart be our work is for you, to honor you, living your values in our actions, in our thoughts, in our words. Remind us that what we do and how we do it matters to others, and it matters to you. Help us to do our part of loving you in our work and of loving others as we love ourselves by what we do. Father, we confess to you that in thoughts and actions and words, we often live contrary to this diligently sacrificial love of doing our work well and of serving others in the process. And so we ask now that you would forgive us for the ways that we have failed to follow what we know is right. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that you give, for the freedom that it brings. And we pray that you would lead us now by your Holy Spirit into a new and more positive path in the things that we have to do and the work that we have. Redirect our hearts, empower our actions by your Spirit. May we think less about ourselves and more about you and others as we do our part as friend or coworker or spouse or parent, aunt or uncle, grandparent, or just a fellow human being sharing the blessings of the world that you have given us. We have been blessed by the world that you've made and the people who have cared for it and for us. Let us also now do our part in blessing others, both with the good news about Jesus, but also in doing whatever we are called to do well. Give us thankful and not judgmental hearts. Help us to bless and not curse. May our hearts be those that are faithful and full of faith instead of hearts that grumble and complain. Remake this world as we follow you, we pray. For your sake, for the sake of others, and for our sake, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture reading is from the Gospel of John, 6th chapter, starting at verse 28. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say, Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, 
I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say, I came down from heaven? This is the word of the Lord. Between today and the celebration of Easter, we're uh, looking at the identity of Jesus. Who is he? And specifically, as he reveals himself in the I am statements of uh, John's gospel. More than any other, the other three gospels, John in his gospel highlights the divinity of Jesus, that he is God, not just one who is sent from God, not just one who is a God or who is like God, but that he is God. And so we see in John 1, Jesus identified as the one who is the Word, the Logos, the one who is there from the beginning, the one who created all that is. And then we also see in other places in statements where he speaks about before Abraham was, I am. And so in all these ways, in all these different ways, he's revealing, John is showing us that he is more than just you, like you and I, or someone who's even better than us, but, but just human, that he himself is God incarnate come to us. But we see it especially in when he has these I am statements. It's I am plus. So for example, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the true vine. All of those have this I am, this, this important statement for their, in their history, in their mindset, but also an explanation that, that draws from their background, from the experience of, that they had with God that helped them to see not only that Jesus is God, but how he provides and connects to them, how God's salvation has come to him. So the, the far away connection, if you, if you go way back, that would have been clearly in their mind, not maybe so much in our mind, would be going back to the Exodus. 
And, and that is a story that was the foundational story of the people of Israel. They are delivered people. They are a people that God has brought out from a nation and, and given them a land and made them a people and given them an identity. And part of that story is God calling Moses to, to, to go to Egypt and to breathe the, the uh, human face of divine deliverance for them. And so Moses, when he's talking with God and God is calling him, he, Moses asked the questions to God. So I suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell him? Very practical question, right? I'm going to come and say, God's, God sent me to deliver you. And they're going to look at me like, I, who are you? What God? What is he like? What's his name? And God replied, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then he further identifies himself, God is the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the one that, that they would have known very clearly that that's in a sense of the God of their ancestors has come to bring them out and to make them a people. But this I am was a very important and, and not something they just threw around and used here and there. But it, it was a, it's a word that when, when you heard the I am, you, you, you sat back and you thought, God, and so Jesus uses these very, very intentionally to direct and to challenge his listeners to understand him as the God who delivers. And each of these phrases have, have a sense of understanding that who God, that he is God and how he represents God, how he reveals God to them, that he is the one who delivers. They have a difficult time embracing this, which is not too surprising. My, my guess is even the disciples had a difficult time embracing this until after the resurrection, right? What does it mean when Jesus says, I am the bread of life? What is, what is he trying to communicate? What is he saying? And, and because they, they misunderstood a lot of who Jesus was, they, they came to him after seeing his healings and they came and they, they decided they wanted to make him their king. That was their goal, and that's the context of this. They're, they're coming to hear more from Jesus, but they're thinking maybe he is the Messiah, and their idea of Messiah was the king, the deliverer, the one who will take us out of this oppression, a political ruler um, who also has religious power and, and faith, and he'll help us out of this. You see that in verse 15. And their understanding of Messiah is very mistaken, very different than what Jesus is going to provide, which is one of the reasons that they choose not to ultimately believe in him. But they, they have a mistaken idea, and that mistaken idea creates a dilemma. One is a dilemma of communication. How does Jesus communicate who he is when the, the very phrases that he would use would lead them in the wrong direction? Because they misunderstood what Messiah should be. You know, you, you maybe sometimes have that challenge when you're talking with someone in a different language and, and you, you realize you have a word in common, this should make sense, but it takes them off in a completely different direction. You're like, hmm, that's not right. And so that's the dilemma that Jesus faces as he's speaking to people. And so he starts to use these I am messages to, to push them, to challenge them. But it also created a practical dilemma as all these people came out to him, you know, wanting to hear more from him, wanting to make him their king. What do you do with them? You know, they need to be fed. You know, you know, you ever heard of hangry? You get hungry and angry. <laughs> you know, and that's not great when you have a crowd of over 5,000 people. And so Jesus in this situation 
does what Jesus does. He takes five small loaves and two fish, and he feeds everybody. And he feeds everybody, and he, the, the disciples collect 12 baskets of extra bread out of five small loaves and two fish. It's the miraculous feeding, the providing. And so I want you to understand this is the context. This is the near context when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And it's also the near context when, when they say, hey, maybe Moses gave us this, this, this food from heaven, this manna. How about you, Jesus? What, what can you do? And it's so strange because they're asking for a sign and they just experienced one. But they missed it. Maybe, maybe they didn't realize that there was only five loaves and two fish. But it happened. It happened to them. They were part of it. But they didn't see it. They didn't understand, in a sense, the sign. And more than importantly, the significance behind that sign. So often in the scriptures, and John especially talks about signs and wonders that happen, but people don't believe. They don't understand the significance of what it's saying is this is God. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. This is the Deliverer. Believe in Him. Follow Him. Yield to Him. And you don't see that happening. They, they catch the sign. They like it. But they miss why is important. What is significant about this? And John, through his gospel, makes clear that most people that Jesus encounters saw the signs, but they missed the significance. And the outcome is they missed God. They missed what God was doing. They, they missed the challenge that, that God is putting before them to believe. To, to believe in Jesus, the one who's in front of them. In the midst of the, all the uncertainty of what they don't know, to put their faith, their hope, and to believe in Jesus. And that's what, what he's inviting, calling people to do, to believe. And so the, 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 these people, as they hear this, they say, you know, we, we want to do the work that God requires. We, that's what we're here for. Just tell us, Jesus, what that work is, and we'll do it. We promise. You know, scouts honor. I don't know if that's scouts or not, but Whatever. Scout's honor. We'll do it. And Jesus says the work that God has for you is to believe in the one that he sent. And whenever you encounter Jesus, there is a moment in which there's a choice. Every time. Look at it. Every time there's a choice to listen and to do what Jesus says, to believe what he says, or to say, I don't know about that. I'm not so sure about that. You know, prove to me more that you are the one that I am supposed to follow. Jesus says, believe in me. It's interesting that immediately in response, they challenge him. They said, you know, well, what, what can you do? <laughs> you know, in other words, kind of show us another sign. And if you read the gospel of John, it's, and show us another sign, and show us another sign, and show us another sign, and, and we'll, we'll believe. And the reality is, as you see through John, is Jesus gives sign after sign after sign healing, um, raising people from the dead, and they don't believe. We think it's true that if we just have the right sign, that we'll believe. And they, they say to Jesus, Moses gave us bread from heaven. He gave us manna, you know, and it saved us as, we, as our ancestors went through this wilderness experience. What can you do, Jesus? You know, can you do better than that? Because if so, we're interested. 
And if you notice that attitude, that attitude of, you know, prove yourself to us. We're, we're the judge of who you are. And of course, we, we all decide who Jesus is. But we are not the judge of God. We are not the one who can determine how God can and cannot work. In fact, it moves the other direction. And so Jesus corrects them. He says, it's my father, not Moses, who provided the manna from you for you in the wilderness. He gave the manna. And now he gives you the true bread. The real bread of heaven. The manna was just a sign. It was just a little taste. It was just a sample. It was just really that God will provide for you. But now in front of you, right here, talking to you, Jesus is saying, is the bread from heaven. Will you take it? Will you receive it? It's not just the bread for Israel. It's the bread for the whole world. Will you receive it? And they, they didn't. Their response reveals their heart and their mindset. What they asked for and what they wanted. They said to Jesus, always give us this bread. Always satisfy us, Jesus. Continuously. And when you satisfy us, finally, then we'll believe. And we'll make you our king. To do our will. And Jesus isn't interested in the kingdom in which we are the kings. It's not the kingdom he came to bring. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of Paul is not the kingdom of God. I mix that up sometimes. But the kingdom of God is the kingdom of God, and that's the one that Jesus invites us to yield to, to live into, to have transform our hearts and transform our lives and transform our relationships. Throughout John chapter 6 especially, there's a focus uh, on Jesus' encounters with people where they are focused on the material and the political aspects of life. Right? Give us bread, Jesus. If you give us enough bread, if you keep satisfying us every day, then we'll, you know, and of course, you know, no surprise. In some ways, they, they came from a land where famine off, often came, where skipping a meal was not unusual. Skipping a day of eating was not unusual. Having the Romans there occupying them and felt like they lost their, their national identity, their religious identity, of course they wanted a king. Of course they want someone to secure the food supply and to make sure that things, we all would, right? We all would want that. But Jesus says, that's not my focus. To provide continually your daily bread. He says, I am the bread of life. When you come to me, you will no longer hunger and thirst. I will protect and provide and lead you. I will carry you through the highs and the lows. I will bring you through this wilderness experience of life with all of its ups and downs and trials, and I will take you to the promised land, to that place that God promised that he will take you. I will provide for you. Just like Moses did, but so much more. Just like God provided the, the, the manna, but so much more. Like us, they are very concerned with the external needs. And Jesus knows we have those. But Jesus is concerned with the internal What's happening here? Our soul. And out of that, the change and the transformation and the care and the provision outside. And so often we're not that concerned with the soul. Maybe just because it seems like it's too much work or maybe it's too confusing to us. 
But Jesus came to change us from the outside. In a sense, Jesus is saying God saved you through the exodus from Egypt. He brought you to the promised land through daily manna. This is the discussion that they're having. He says, now God has come to you again to give you life, to bring you from being apart from him to being with him and into his kingdom through me, through Jesus. Believe. Believe who I am and you'll enter in. That is the work that God has for you. I am the one who will satisfy you. Not being politically free from Rome. Not having food every day. And if you know much about the Exodus journey, you'll notice that both here and there, the response was not faith. Was it? It was grumbling. It was grumbling. You remember? They grumbled throughout the wilderness. All the way. It's like they grumbled. Are we there yet? We're hungry. We're hot. We have to move. We have to stay. Nothing's right. And they grumble against God. And so it's interesting here that they, they grumble against the message that Jesus is giving to them, and they grumble against the messenger. When Moses led them, they grumbled against God's provision, manna again, and they grumbled against the message, Moses, or the messenger, Moses. And they do the same with Jesus. You see a repeat. And the outcome of both is if you are missing the blessings and the promises of God. The blessings now, the provision now, but also the promise of what is to come, of where God is taking you. You miss out when you don't believe, when you grumble instead of receive with thankfulness. And everyone who encounters Jesus is forced with the challenge to believe or not believe. That's, that's before each one of us. It's before each person that hears the good news about Jesus. Jesus claims to be more than one of us. He claims to be the one we ultimately must yield to, the one that we will receive the life that we need. That's what he's claiming to them. That's what he says to us. And as we yield to him and as we follow, he will provide and lead and protect. In other words, we will live as a part of his covenant with, with God. That's God's promise. You listen and obey and follow, and I will guide and protect, and I would lead you. That's the covenant. And I will bring you to that promised land. In our daily lives, how do we look at Jesus? How do we look at Jesus? Is it possible that in some ways we look to God and we say, here's my needs and here's my desires? And God, it's important for you to meet those. And, you know, and I'll know that I have had enough when you've done your job. I'm, I'm checking God to see if you're doing really a good job at providing for me. When I'm safe, when I am pain-free, when you give me what I want. When you do that, I'm good with you. I'll yield a little bit because you've met my need, which is really not really yielding at all, is it? It's just taking advantage of, of what's there for us. Because that's kind of where these people are at. Jesus, if you meet our need, we'll believe. If you do what we want, we'll believe. And we can fall into that same way of thinking. It's a very human way. Whether we believed in Jesus and put our faith in Jesus or never heard of Jesus, our lives reorient again, reset again oftentimes to what's in it for me. 
And of course, that does matter, but that is not paramount when we are faced with Jesus. Often the case with their hearts and with our hearts is the problem is we doubt Jesus and we trust ourselves instead of trusting Jesus and doubting ourselves. Isn't it interesting that we trust ourselves? You know, it doesn't take a whole lot thinking back of all the mistakes we've, we've made, all the wrong turns, all the things we say, well, I would have made a different choice, but I didn't know, so I made this choice. But, I, but now I know, so I can get it right. <laughs> I'm, I'm good on my own now, so thank you, God. Well, I'll call you when I need you. Instead of taking the right position, the position of the one who comes to the bread of life, the one who gives life to the world, who offers life to the world and says, I'm going to doubt myself. And I'm going to believe you. I'm going to believe what you say. And I'm going to let you prove, which by the way, he will, that you're right. That you are the I am. And I am not the I am. And that I want to be a part of your kingdom, which is far better than any little kingdom I can create and sustain. I'm going to do the work, Jesus, that you say that I should do, which is to believe. And that as I continue to believe in you, I know that you secure and care for me. That you promise me that no matter how much I waver, no matter how much I face challenges or face doubts, that you will take me to that promised land and you will provide for me along the way to that promised land that you will be with me, Emmanuel, God with us, now and forever. Jesus is the bread of life. That's what he says. He nourishes us. He sustains us. He is what we need, the one we are to follow, the one we are to believe and trust. Do you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father, again, we thank you for your word and the words of Jesus, which speak to the hearts of his original listeners, but also to our hearts. And we acknowledge that we find it often far too easy to believe in our words than in yours. To try to find our source of life outside of us, in other relationships, or within us. We try to reshape the world to be the way we want it to be as opposed to see what you want to do in the world and ask you to empower us to be a part of that world. So let us not turn away from Jesus when he looks at us and says, I am the bread of life. I am God and I have what you need. Let us come joyfully, humbly, with thanksgiving and trust to receive the bread from Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. We invite you to stand up and to sing with us.
whatever place that you hold power over your life, where you can call it the driver's seat, the throne, wherever you are, where you feel like it's your right and your job to be in charge. Jesus comes to you in that place and says, I am the bread of life. I'm the God who gives you what you need. Step off of that chair, step out of that driver's seat, and let me lead. And I will lead you to life. Go knowing that God does that to us because he loves us, because he cares for us. That Jesus is so committed to us that he gave his life for us. And the spirit is there to give us the energy and the power to be able to live that life of yielding, which is so unnatural to us, to God's work in our life. And that we can bless God and bless so many others. Go and live that kind of life and enjoy those benefits and the benefits it brings to the world. Amen. Thanks so much for being here today. God bless you as you encounter Jesus as the I am.
for listening. For more information, please visit allnationschurch.com.